apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is pain 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Hello there. It's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, bringing you another hot and fresh episode of Talk Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo. Um, soon to be renamed. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, this is all the nerdy stuff you want to hear talked about at length, because that's what we're going to do. Talk nerdy about some stuff. And to do that with me, See, I'm explaining this like someone's never listened to a podcast with me. <clears throat> to do that, I have my right hand man, the man who keeps the nerd and talk nerdy to me, Commander Scott. Greetings. I recently had an issue at my house. Uh-oh. Had a tree fall in my backyard where there presently was no tree. Well, there is a tree still, but half of it decided it was just done with life. <laughs> And it committed suicide. And I didn't know before Monday that trees could be assholes. But trust me, trees can be assholes. Yeah, you've seen Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, but I, I learned something really interesting. I uh, had some people over yesterday giving me quotes on, on debris removal. And uh, the, the gentleman that I was talking with uh, was actually an arborist. And we were discussing the tree, and I was trying to describe a portion of the tree that is still standing. And it's one of these trees where the trunk comes up, and it splits into two sections, you know, really, really low at the base. And both sections are, like, really thick, you know? It's like the tree forks. And I was trying to describe it. I'm like, I honestly don't know what to call that. I mean, is it a is it a branch? Uh, do I, I mean, it seems too big to be a branch to me, you know, because it splits. And technically, yes, it is a branch, but it is not the trunk. So you have the trunk that goes up, and the big part that splits out, especially when they split low, is actually called a co-determinant leader. That's made up. And I'm like, co-determinate leader. I like that. And so, of course, I started researching and everything. And there's different types of leaders. There's there's determinate, there's indeterminate, there's co-determinate, there's terminal. Uh, yeah. So, actually, uh, arboric tree growth patterns is is really fascinating now. So, Don't next you? week, we'll have Bonsai with Commander <laughs> Scott. <laughs> oh, Bonsai. So, you're all about how to shape your tiny tree. Wax on, wax off. Damn you, son. <clears throat> Paint fence. <clears throat> <laughs> well, thank you for again keeping the nerd in top nerdy team, the Commander Scott. And if you loved flash facts like that, you get one every week on this show from Scott. At least one every week on this show from Scott. I don't know where the show is going to take us. You might get more than one. True. 
<sighs> and to keep the two of us on topic to make sure we never run overtime or out of time or under time or to keep us right on time because he's got plenty of time because he owns a souped up DeLorean. Joining us from somewhere in time and space, it's the doc. What you talking about, Willis? There it is. There's the stuff. <laughs> Dr. Arnold Jackson. Attorney at law. I the fool who don't have a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Jay, how you doing? Good. My my back kind of hurts though. I just moved, so like from the couch to the microphone, or <laughs> no, from hey, a house to a jokes. <laughs> from a house to an apartment, and and uh, that, so that seems like the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Well. I believe he's hurt. moved in with his lady friend. Oh, well, then that most yeah, definitely I is believe. the right direction. Yeah, hence the fiance moved in with the fiance. We're just going to we're going to air all your laundry right on the show now. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did uh, you meet? No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, that'll, yeah. be a, that'll be a special episode next week. The good thing is and and Commander Scott already knows this, but uh the apartment is located directly above her bakery. That sounds like uh, a terrible idea. <laughs> and uh, so all I had to do this morning to get breakfast was walk down the steps. Yes. That, that reminds me. Um, I would like to make a motion on the floor. Okay. Yes. Um, I move that uh, uh, the doc be permanently banned from this show because he was teasing me this morning with pictures <laughs> of breakfast while I was eating my Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Uh, motion is heard and denied, but we will Damn. amend uh, that he he uh, has to bring treats with him and to make amends. All right. I'm good with that. I can make that happen. You're on warning. <clears throat> That's a yellow card. All right. All right. There. <laughs> well, together, our powers combined, we are Tot Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo. Damn subject to change. Uh, and today... We're going to get, it's kind of philosophical, we're talking about good and bad, and what's good to you, and what's bad to you, and what's what's how do you measure what's good and bad, and when is a bad thing so bad it's good, and when does a good thing go bad, and it's, it's the good-bad episode, like the Red Green Show, it's the good-bad show, <laughs> we're talking all about what makes something good and bad, and so bad it's good, and so good it got bad, and I've gone cross that again. So... <laughs> To start, um, I'll start with actors or movies, Jay. This is your your brainchild. I I'd like to. I just want to discuss some movies that we think they're so bad. Okay. Bad that they've crossed back of being. Uh, so. No, it's a great topic, and I've got four on my list. Um, I have six. Well, there you go. We'll uh, we'll start comparing. So, if we're gonna talk <clears throat> movies that are so bad they're good, we have to start with the original King because it's got some competition now. But the original King of the so bad it's good movie, uh, the movie that was crowned worst movie ever made in 1980, it's got some competition now. Um, I'm talking about Ed Wood's magnum opus, Plan 9. 
from outer space. Not plans one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight. Plan nine from outer space. Well, ninth time's a charm, you know. <laughs> That's what I always say. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie, and I'll be honest, I had not seen this movie until this afternoon. Uh, I actually have was, not seen it. I've never seen it as well. I don't think I've ever seen any Ed Wood movie, to be honest. You're going to have to do a Let's Watch then, because my God. Um, <laughs> now, now, this isn't this isn't the one with the 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 aliens that have like the the blue brain head type thing. This is black and white, so no. Well, I mean, they're blue if you actually see the behind the scenes. But yeah, in in, in the movie, they're black and blue. I may be thinking something else. Go ahead, Ron. Scott. This is the eternal classic. This old chestnut of a story. You've seen it a million times. You know, boy meets girl. Well, this is the age old story of. Aliens coming to Earth to stop humanity from destroying itself by creating a doomsday weapon that explodes sunlight by resurrecting the dead as zombies that they call ghouls. You know, that old story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen see it a time. million times. Yeah, yeah. Most, most sci-fi TV shows usually go uh, there around season the four. Plot. <laughs> that is... The ninth plan from outer space to stop humanity from creating a doomsday weapon and destroying ourselves. Aliens come to Earth and their plan is to resurrect the dead. So step one, resurrect the dead. Step two, step three, save Earth. (laughs) Makes sense, right? Yep. Uh, Sounds good to me. If you don't know, a little bit of backstory. Ed Wood is like the king of B-movies. This was a guy that had all the ambition in the world, none of the budget, and arguably none of the talent. Uh, He he was an indie filmmaker back in the 50s when indie filmmakers just didn't exist. Uh, Working outside the studio system was just not a thing people did. Um, And he did. Because uh, nobody would give him money. Uh, but this movie came out in 1959. And honestly, it kind of languished in obscurity until the 80s. When uh, it was resurrected thanks to late night TV. Um, where it made the rounds on all the you know midnight horror, chiller cinema uh, TV shows and stuff. Uh, it is famous for being the last, ap- uh, uh, last screen appearance of Bela Lugosi. Uh, famous for playing Dracula in the Universal Horror movies. Um, and we'll get to that because he's technically in it, <laughs> um, but not quite in the way you think. Um, but no, so uh, Ed Wood is a guy known for making really crappy B movies. Uh, the term B movie, meaning lower budget kind of schlock movie. It came from the tradition of the drive-ins when you would have a double feature and you'd have your big movie to pull the crowds in and then you'd have a second movie after that. So your big movie is the A movie and then your your added on bonus feature movie is the B movie. Um, this one in particular um, was made for, I believe, $60,000. It probably ended up costing even less than that. Um but it is it, it's it's this weird combination of old school gothic horror because it involves zombies uh, and uh, uh, Tor Johnson the wrestler is in it um, 
so it has this you know scene of people robbing graves uh in fact the original title was grave robbers from outer space uh <laughs> but and i shit you not it was funded by a church and they didn't like the term grave robbers so they changed it to plan nine from outer space left the grave robbing in but just took out the name it was the name that was offensive <laughs> not the act of robbing the graves uh <laughs> um Jeez. Bela nice. Lugosi's footage is spliced in from other projects Ed Wood was shooting with Bela Lugosi at the time. And when they needed someone to stand in, they literally got a stand-in because he died, uh, Bela Lugosi passed away before the movie. Uh, I think even before that started shooting, if my timeline is correct. Um, but they got a stand-in for him. The stand-in looks nothing like Bela Lugosi, is taller than Bela Lugosi, is bald, so they had to put a wig on him. Yeah. And they just had him have his cloak in front of his face to cover his face the whole time. It was the chiropractor of Ed Wood's wife, I believe, uh, <laughs> standing in for, for Bela Lugosi. Um, again, the guy had all the ambition in the world, no budget. Uh, it, it cuts between footage they shot, stock footage of the military, uh, features commercially available flying saucer model kits that you could go in the store and pick up, in the movie is flying saucers. Uh, any corner that could be cut was cut. Anywhere to save a bucket was saved. Uh, it splices between daytime and nighttime indiscriminately. Uh, it's it's got mics in shots. Uh, it, it's it's it is it's something. Um, but it is endlessly entertaining to watch. It's so bad. The production quality, the acting, the nonsensical story, the uh, Halloween, store-bought Halloween costumes put on people. Like, the the aliens literally wear store-bought Halloween night costumes. Night with a K. Because um, that's the money they had. Uh, it, it All that. It, it fails miserably at being the mashup of... Uh, sorry, I was yeah, making a point until I got sidetracked. It combines atomic horror of the 50s, which is that thing of, you know, like uh, nuclear destruction and giant insects and, and the horrors of the atomic age with the old school 1930s and 40s gothic horror. You've got your zombies. You've got your doomsday weapon thing. You've got your flying saucers making zombies. It's crazy. It's all over the map. It fails miserably at being a horror movie, but as, as being an entertaining movie to watch, two thumbs up. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, yeah, well, I just felt we couldn't talk about this topic without bringing that one up. I'm sitting here looking at the uh, some of the facts and, and things about this movie. <clears throat> I find it very interesting that that um, uh, I, I don't know if she's the main actress in it. Mela Nermi. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's paid $200 for her appearance in the film. That's all she made. But apparently she insisted that the character be mute because she didn't like the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can see her. She reads the script and she's like, yeah, this, this is shit. I'm just not going to say anything. How about that? Is that okay? Nice. It's not going to talk. <laughs> um, the story of the making of this movie is as entertaining, perhaps more so than the movie itself. It's batshit crazy how this thing got made. But again, a special place in my heart for for aspiring filmmakers who get the job done. And whatever you want to say about the final product, Ed Wood got this movie made 
start to finish. It got made. It got released. It went out to theaters and drive-ins. He finished making a movie, and that is no small feat. So, so before we jump into all the other movies, I just had to get to that. Is that is the granddaddy, like the gold standard of so bad it's good, and and we'll get into what makes a movie so bad it's good as we go. But um, Plan Nine from Outer Space, still I think the king of an epic failure yet endlessly entertaining. <laughs> nice. so Jay, what do you got? I'm going to kick it off with one of my biggest guilty pleasure movies ever. Okay. And it's not a terrible film, but the acting is bad. The The plot is pretty standard. Uh, the, the graphics don't really hold up. Uh, the dialogue is painful at times. And this movie is... Starship Troopers. Get that... the fuck out. Shut up. <laughs> Stand up. Get out. It... How dare you? Oh. It... I talked about doing a remake of this movie a few months ago, and you almost strung me up. And you're going to dare, dare call it a so bad it's good movie? It's a masterpiece. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's... Masterpiece. It I... I I know I'm definitely backtracking. I'm I know Koran's gonna kill me for this. That movie won an Academy Award, sir. It okay. I, I know it got nominated. I don't remember if it won or not. But you can't like the thing that sticks out to me about this movie being so bad is the acting and the dialogue. Like you have some you have some talented actors in this movie. For example. You have Michael Ironside fingers into the hole of some dude's skull and going, they sucked, sucked his, his brains, brains out. out. Like, it's it's just so clunky. Come on, you apes. Do you want to live forever? Sorry. Right. Yeah. You know, it's there's so many bad things about it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love that movie. I would watch it every single day. Well, but it is, it's it's not good. It's here's not what you gotta, Sorry. Sorry. I mean, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Here's what no, you gotta go remember about Starship Troopers. The Starship Troopers is absolutely intended to be a loving homage to all those shitty B movies from the sixties I was talking about a minute ago. Like yeah. literally the movie started as let's make a, a, a giant bug movie, but make it with modern special effects. That's how that movie got started. It was called uh, like a attack at outpost something or other. Um it was written uh by Ed Newmeyer, who also wrote Robocop. Uh, specifically to be a love letter uh, to schlocky, low-budget, B-horror, giant insect movies. Um, But it got an A-budget, and it got a ridiculously good cast for the time. Um, And I know it got nominated for Best Visual Effects. I can't remember if it won or not. I want to say it did, but... um... So you yeah, know, like the bad dialogue, the hammy acting—that's uh, all intentional. It's and that, and I still love it. But if somebody comes into that, like, how many people come into that movie knowing that fact beforehand? You know what I mean? Like, right. Not. I'm going to say the majority of your audience probably watched that movie and went, "What the hell was that?" I mean. 
just it just it's keeps the, majority look, of the audience watched that and said that was fucking fantastic. I, <laughs> run it back. I disagree <laughs> well, with you. <laughs> and then you got people like me who went to the theater to see this movie, mm-hmm. having been a fan of Robert Heinlein. Ooh, sorry. And <laughs> yeah, expecting Starship Troopers <laughs> and not getting Starship Troopers. <laughs> If you read the book Starship Troopers and watched the movie Starship Troopers, you're going to have a bad time. I'm like, what what the fuck am I watching? (laughs) (laughs) Because this ain't Starship Troopers. You're watching a recruitment video for a fascist (laughs) government of the future fighting a war against giant bugs. Now, that being said, I have grown to appreciate the film over the years. Yes. Oh, I love it. I would... There are several times where John and I have put in the movie at the same time and talked on the phone while watching it together in it's different guy locations. Love it's all it two is. guys. Sorry. Right. It's true. It is. <laughs> but that's um, I I had to I had to include it in a so bad that it's good episode because see, now I I I want to disqualify that from so bad it's good because and here's my thing. That movie is exactly the way it is intentionally. And the same reason why I'm not putting like Sharknado on this list is because Sharknado was specifically made to try to cash in on the so bad it's good trend. So as bad and ridiculous as Sharknado is, it was intentionally ridiculous. And Starship Troopers is intentionally over the top and ridiculous and schlocky. Great movie. But that's that's its intention, and and if we're talking so bad, it's good. I think a key element has to be we failed completely at, at what we were trying to do with this movie, and in our failure, we've made something really entertaining. Now, now I, I'm fine with it, Jay. I, I say keep it. it it's it, it's I, a fine pick. I'd call it a guilty pleasure, but you shouldn't feel guilty for watching it because it's a masterpiece. <laughs> But I, I'm all I'm saying is that <laughs> the majority of people who view that movie don't don't know that that it is intended to be that way. And if it's so, in that case, if your intention was to make a movie that is intentionally bad, but it misses the majority of its viewers. Therefore, it did not do what it was supposed to, so they failed in their efforts, making it a so bad it's good. No, schlocky and bad are two different things. Hey, you can't fight logic, John. I, I, I'm not fighting logic. I'm arguing with your definition. <laughs> but we're going to anyway, move on, so we're not going to play Anyway. So wrong. Scott, what do you got for us? <clears throat> well... Going in the the the, I, I'm actually going to split the difference here. Okay, you know between going from Plan Nine from Outer Space to Starship Troopers, which which I think you know is is almost dichotically different in in the in their the two examples that you could have. But one of my favorite movies of all time, I love this movie, The Martian. The Dead. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's definitely a bad movie. It's a horrible movie. <laughs> but it's an awesome movie. Uh starring Robert Urich is the Ice Pirates. 
Oh God. I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Having recently rewatched it with you, yes. I can confirm it's a movie. <laughs> but it's an awesome movie. It's great. Have you have you seen it, Jay? Have you ever seen this? I have not. You you need to watch this movie. This movie is great. So this movie was intended. It started life to be a serious $20 million budget sci-fi film. That's what it started life as in pre-production between pre-production and getting to principal photography and everything. MGM slashed that budget to $8 million and then had the script rewritten as a comedy. So it's set in the far future. It's kind of like the reverse of water world almost because there's, there's no water anywhere. Water is transported through the depths of space uh, in the form of, you know, it's hauled in ice uh, and, and hence the, the ice pirates, they, they raid ships and they try to try to get to uh, try to get the ice and everything. And so you have this, this group of pirates and, and this, this is not, now this movie has some, some, some great casting. Of course, Robert Urich uh, is in it, which is, which is great. Um, but you also Ron got Perlman. Ron Perlman. It's not his movie debut, but it's like his second or third film that he ever did. You've got uh, uh, Max von Sydow is in this movie. Um, briefly, it's almost a blink and you'll miss him kind of thing. Um, Angelica Houston is in this movie. Um, yeah, it, it's just got some some great, great people in it. And of course, they, you know, they, they get captured and they, Robert Yurk falls in love with this princess lady and, and her father apparently has discovered um, uh, the, the, the map to a, a world that's uh, uh, overabundant with water. Uh, so like I said, it's kind of the reverse of water world, uh, yep. but, and also set in space. Um, but one of my favorite things is movie. this movie is bad. I mean, it's got, <laughs> it's got people in rubber suits as robots and you can tell they're rubber because, you know, they bend their arms and, and the elbows crease uh, and, and all kinds of shit. One of my favorite things is, Excuse me. Uh, toward the end of the film, spoilers, when they're going to the, the water planet, the water planet is guarded by an area of space that has uh, areas of temporal instability. So it's kind of like a temporal minefield. So when you when you hit these pockets, you you ex- time accelerates. So you you age and you age and you age. And it's got all kinds of jokes. So when when the two ships hit the time field. They're being they're being boarded. So you got these robots coming in. They're fighting. They're trying to repel the borders and the bad guys and everything. And time keeps accelerating and jumps. And throughout the scene, they're getting older and older. The beards are getting longer. The 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 uh, Robert Yurk's right hand man, who's who's black. So he's by the end of it, he's got this gray afro that's like four feet in diameter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculously over the top and hilarious. The robots are getting old and starting to short circuit. They're on the verge of because they're, they're of, of, of losing because they're just too excited, too exhausted to go on because they're so old. But what what Robert Eric doesn't know is that the the love interest he and the princess you know had a tryst earlier in the 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 film and she was pregnant. So she goes through the pregnancy. She gives birth. the The kid grows up. And right in their hour of need, the now adult son of the main character, also played by Robert Urick, bursts into the cargo hold where the fight is. And he proclaims, Dad, I'm here. 
<laughs> this movie is great. Gene cool. Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry, creator of Star Trek, actually jokingly once said that the Ice Pirates was, and I quote, singularly responsible for bringing back the death penalty to California. <laughs> it's a great movie. If you've never seen it, go watch it. Oh, man. Now, it's stop a fun movie. Show and <laughs> but again, I would argue, <laughs> as far as, okay, let's just make it a comedy, I think it succeeds. <laughs> I think it got the job done. Yeah, but no. This movie was not intended to be a bad movie. It it was working on a a crappy budget, and yeah, it was retooled to be a comedy. But it's still a bad movie. But it's a good movie. That makes me think... uh, Retooling it to be a comedy always makes me think of uh, Doctor Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Bomb, where it was was from. was called Red Alert. Or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, with the the novel it's based on, which is written as a straight thriller about the potential nuclear holocaust caused by one general going crazy. Yes. And as they were adapting the screenplay, Kubrick was like, "There's no way we can do this as a drama. This is a comedy. This is a ridiculous comedy." So they just finished writing it, it shot the script as written, but just changed the tone to make it this like ridiculous comedy. Nice. Uh, uh, so, on our our train ride of shitty movies, whatever this thing is, uh, if we're going to talk about so bad it's good, and again, my definition of this is the movie fails at being what it's, what it was intended to be, but in that failure, it becomes watchable. Tommy Wiseau's, I still, I believe, still sole directorial credit. Uh, a movie that was described as cinematic masturbation. The Room. <laughs> I have not seen this movie. Oh my I've God, seen, Scott. Seen parts nothing of about this. Oh my God, Scott. Um, this is a movie I was unnaturally obsessed with for about a year. Um, so this guy named Tommy Wiseau, and Google that. That'll take you three hours to get through. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who Tommy Wiseau is, because no one knows um funded this movie made this movie which was supposed to be this indie drama for him and his friends in acting school that nobody was casting um and he cast himself obviously in the lead of a guy named johnny who works in computers uh lives in san francisco and his he's he's a wonderful guy everyone loves him uh but his girlfriend decides to cheat on him because she's terrible with his best friend and uh, uh, it's one of those over-the-top dramas. Uh, and then the whole thing concludes with him committing suicide and everyone feeling terrible about what they did to Johnny. Uh, this is like like an SNL parody of a Lifetime original movie, only it was made seriously. <laughs> At least Tommy Wiseau was serious about making it. Scene to scene, things don't even match up. Uh, people characters are introduced, have a scene, and then disappear the rest of the movie. Uh, entire plot lines uh, pop up from scene to scene, and then just disappear again. There's the infamous scene where he walks onto the rooftop and is is having a monologue with himself about not beating his wife or his girlfriend, and then looks up and just oh hi. Uh, it's it's 
I can't describe it. You just have to. It's like the Matrix. I can't describe it to you. You just have to <laughs> see it for yourself. Uh, but it's it's a movie made by someone who had no understanding of how movies are made, to the point that when he was asked, uh, "Do you want to film this on thirty five millimeter film, or are you gonna do digital?" He did both, yeah. and by that I mean he built a rig where a thirty five millimeter camera sat next to a digital camera, so that they would film the same thing. Well, they couldn't use the audio from the digital camera because of the noise of the 35 millimeter camera right next to it. Uh, They built a rooftop set with a full green screen. The set was a recreation of the roof of the building they were shooting in. (laughs) Because that's how they do it in Hollywood. Uh, He bought his own film equipment. Nobody buys film equipment in Hollywood. When you go to make a movie, Universal or Warner Brothers or Disney, you rent the equipment. No one buys film equipment. He bought all of his own equipment. Where did he get the money? Nobody knows. How much did this movie cost? Nobody knows. Like I could go on all day about the enigma that is Tommy Wiseau, uh, but this movie is, it, it fails on all fronts. The acting is terrible. The music is atrocious. The editing is all over the map. The story makes no sense. Uh, it, it fails on every account. Yet, when you string it all together, it is the most batshit, crazy, ridiculous comedy you'll ever see unintentionally. It is an <laughs> unintentional comedic masterpiece. Uh, and if you ask Tommy why, so now he'll insist that's how what he intended. But no one, everyone who tells it was there, like no, that was not his his intention. Uh, he took out a billboard for like three years in LA to plug the movie and kept it playing in this one screen on oh sorry, on this one local theater, uh long enough so it would qualify for Academy Awards. The Academy did not nominate it with anything. Um it is it is just it is you watch this movie and you just your mind boggles with how? How? How did this get made? Who made this? Why was this made? It's just, it's terrible. And then finally, about like 30 minutes in, you just give in and accept, yeah, this is friggin' ridiculous. And you just, you know, enjoy it uh, for the random comedy that it is. Uh, It was the subject of uh, a book uh, called The Disaster Artist, written by the co-star and best friend of Tommy Wiseau. Uh, That book was then turned into the movie, which came out a couple years ago, called Disaster Artist which is uh, stars James Franco as Tommy Wiseau. And it's, it's the making of this movie. Um, watch the room, not room, the room, small word, big difference. Uh, watch the room and then either read or pop in uh, disaster artist to answer the questions of how, why, who that you're going to have when you watch this movie. Um, I think it's biggest exposure was, for a couple of years, uh, Adult Swim aired this instead of their normal block of programming on April Fools, because <laughs> uh, they were the guys at, at at the offices were strangely obsessed with this movie, and uh, and I was I think it was a couple of years in a row. Uh, instead of airing their normal block of scheduling on Adult Swim, they aired The Room with some strategically placed. Uh, graphic bars because there are some boobies in it um yeah nice i'm curious if that's if that's actually streaming anywhere so i can watch it 
you know, knowing Tommy Wiseau, he has his own streaming service you can get and just watch <laughs> the room. Um, yeah, I don't that's know. The only, that's the only thing streaming on it. Um, I'm sure, dude, you can probably find it on YouTube. Uh, but no, you've, you've have a couple beers because <laughs> goddamn. Um, uh, but then just, uh, yeah, yeah, give it a watch. It's, uh, you'll laugh yourself crazy. What year was it? Did you say? Oh, god, I don't know. Um, early 2000s, maybe. Hmm. I'm seeing a lot of movies here titled The Room. One is 2003. Hold on. Got a black and white picture of a dude staring at the camera. That's it. That's Tommy Wiseau. 2003, yep. Let's see if it's streaming anywhere. It's listed as drama. (laughs) (laughs) Available on Amazon. I don't know if that means streaming or to purchase. Well, if I can find the... No, uh, it says no streaming offers. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Well, should we keep rolling? Yeah, keep it rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Uh, John. Jason. How would you like to watch a mid-90s action movie starring, starring Tommy Lee Jones? Okay. Gary Busey. What? And Steven Seagal. <laughs> what? Are you yeah. wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about Under Siege? Under Siege. <laughs> the only Steven Seagal movie to ever watch. That's the only one you need to watch because the rest of them are carbon copies of the exact same thing. <laughs> What's Under Siege <laughs> 2? It's Under Siege 1, but on a train. What's under siege? It's die hard on a boat. Yes. Uh, wait, under didn't siege. we do that? <laughs> yeah, that's speed two. Okay, make it a battleship. Now you got something. <laughs> under siege is a great movie. It, it's got oh. call meaning in it. Sorry. It's <laughs> it's bad. I'm sorry. Under siege is bad. Hey, that, is a, that is a completely plausible movie, sir. That is that is militarily <laughs> factual. Because we all know Navy SEALs screw up and get busted down to cook. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that do. is a yep, that's a rank that you get busted down to. And it happens all the let's time. Not get that amazing cross eyed that amazing cross eyed stare into the camera after covering the captain's body with his jacket. <laughs> that that lone shot makes the whole movie worth it. No, look uh as far as diehard clones go. This has got to be like top five diehard clones. And I include the diehard sequels in there because they're all diehard clones. Right. Um, but it's bad. I mean, you can't say that it's not bad because doesn't he somehow make a bomb that using the innards of a grenade melted in a microwave? No, no the the microwave bomb that he uses is um, uh, vinegar. C4, isn't it? No, no, no. It's he puts vinegar into a cup with. No, I'm um, thinking a whole different movie. Yeah, yeah. no. He, he, I'm sorry, not not in vinegar. Uh, what is vinegar? It's, it's it's apple vinegar. It's vinegar apple cider, uh, in a cup with uh, steel wool, um, and something else. And he uses the the reaction from the microwaves hitting the steel wool to to detonate the 
uh, well, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't happen that way, obviously. It would just fizzle a bit and maybe ruin the microwave, possibly. But yeah, in, in, in the under siege world, it, it makes a hell of an explosion. But that's, and what that's your second science fact <laughs> with Commander Scott. The, uh, the grenade that he uses is when he goes into the hatch and he secures the hatch and he pulls the pin on a grenade and he jams the grenade in behind the, the hatch handle using the hatch handle to hold the spoon in place. So that when the person on the outside rotates the hatch handle, of course, the spoon pops oh. and the grenade detonates. No, no, it's the... He he pulls the explosive part out of the fragmentation part of the grenade and uses that and they take a... a sh- they take like a shell that they would fire out of the, one of the big guns and he drills a hole in it and they heat it over like a steaming pot of water. Yes. So in, in that one, he's making the satchel charge that he's using... To uh, uh, destroy the, the, the bow, to disable the bow plane on the sub so that it can't yeah. dive because it's a World War II class sub, and the way a World War II class sub does, it, it can't actually do a straight uh, vertical uh, dive. It can't do a stationary dive. Um, what'll happen in a in a World War II style sub is um, the uh, the negative tank is flooded, which is in the bow of the ship, and that causes the bow of the ship to get heavy. And the bow planes are rigged out to to dig into the water and pull the bow into the water. Uh, and then once they're down and into the water column, you'll you, you've heard the command, and even in um, para, down Periscope, you you hear it uh, where she she calls blow negative to the mark, um, which in that movie she's using it actually incorrectly. But once they're down, they blow the negative tank to restore neutral buoyancy. So they have a shell, and he's heating it over steam like a double boiler to melt the explosives so he can pour the explosive uh, in a neutral state into the bag. And then he's using the detonator or the uh, – I can't remember what it's actually called, but the detonator from a grenade to set it off. So he's just storing it in a satchel. Yeah. yeah. Look so, what oh. you did, Jason. Uh, my – my point is still the same. <laughs> it is. It's a bad movie. It really is. Like from the plot to the acting, they and I don't know how they roped some of the actors into this movie. It's called money. That's true. But like you, I don't know if anybody out there is going to be like, oh no, no. Uh, Under Siege is just a great, great film that, that doesn't already enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> from like the story to just the plausibility of things, um, the fact that they sunk that they didn't sink the submarine; they blew it up with deck guns from yes. the Missouri. Like yes. they're those deck guns are designed for bombardment of. Uh, like positions on land, not for ship to ship combat. That's... Well, no, no, no. Those guns can be used ship to ship. I mean, you're dealing with a World War II battleship. They they did engage in naval warfare with them. Not nearly that close. They're not designed for a point blank shot. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the Missouri, um, uh, as far as I know, could accurately fire her main guns. I think they had a, a a nominal range of between 22 and 24 miles. 
Because, but yeah, they're not designed for a point blank shot like they actually used in in this. You are correct about that. But and they, I mean, like the fact that they're changing the elevation to go up to hit a target that is <laughs> it's, not that yeah, far. It's right off their. That's right off their uh, their their, uh, uh, their beam. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also explain to me how this Navy SEAL cook learned to shoot this gun. Like I know that he's got well, he, some. No, ex- he, some World War II vets. Yeah. Yeah, he, he doesn't know how to, to shoot that him. gun. No, he, he doesn't know how to shoot it. Like, well, he fired it, but it was it was them aiming it. But yeah, he's I'll, giving I'll, directions for elevation changes. Oh, well, yeah, but he's also the star. they got to have him give the, the, the stuff. So, all these things considered, I will still sit down and watch Under Siege because it is, it's so bad. Everything about it is just bad but it all connects together into a mind blanking action movie starring Steven Steven Seagal that you're like yeah I'm okay with this and if anything just watch it for Tommy Lee Jones inexplicably being blown backwards by the the main guns firing and him walking downstairs talking about uh Saturday morning cartoons that's probably my favorite part of the whole hold on hold on you're bearing the lead here correct me if i'm wrong does or does not this movie contain gary Busey in drag it does you're right it does does. there's your reason for watching you're welcome (laughs) it does that's been a while i can't believe i forgot about that um and that is yeah. Tommy Lee Jones yeah. getting blown back from the from the report of those guns is not unfounded because when those guns fired, nobody was allowed on deck. All right, yeah, fair you, enough. But I'm, yeah, when, I'm, when those guns when those guns fired in real life, that deck was clear. This has been naval combat with Commander <laughs> Scott. <laughs> hey, I love the Navy. I love naval I'm combat. I'm not faulting <laughs> you. <laughs> I may not be an expert, but I know some things. I'm Next just saying week, we'll be talking about the historical accuracy of uh, Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. <laughs> It'll be an eight and a half hour episode. <laughs> Strap in. Uh, uh, I'm with you, sorry. Jay. I, I do love this movie. I watch it anytime it's on. It, it, but it is not good. Again, as far as your diehard clone movies and as far as your '90s action movies. It's pretty good. It's again, it's it's Die Hard. It's the exact fucking plot of Die Hard. Only instead of a building, it's a battleship, and they're trying to get is it like nuclear codes or no? They have something. It's got it's got nuclear tomahawk missiles on board. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're that's what they want. They're stealing them, and then Tommy Lee Jones fires two of them to Hawaii. Yeah, and Steven Seagal blows them up with a satellite phone. Right. Because Steven Seagal in the 90s could do anything. Uh, no, it's the only movie Steven Seagal is bearable in because this was his big, like, th- this this movie was his big starring role that kind of kicked him off um, as far as being an, uh, an action lead. And he's he has a bit of a personality in it. He's bearable in this movie. Uh, unlike other movies he does where he's completely unbearable and you just want to punch him every time he's on screen. Uh, <laughs> but no, he's, yeah, he's, he's a former Navy SEAL who was going to be drummed out, but he's got a, uh, an admiral who's a friend or, or 
former the, commanding officer or something. The captain of the ship was a friend and, and yeah. took him on as his personal as coach. His personal coach. His, yeah. Let him exactly. finish out his 20. Yeah. So he gets overlooked by the, the terrorist uh, guys who are there to hijack the ship because it's being uh, it's taking him on his final tour thing, whatever. So they, they overlook him because they don't think he's, they just think he's a cook. So you get lots of lines about the cook. Yeah. I don't know what it would have taken to hire this man, but it would have been worth it. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Shit like yeah. that. But so, no, it's it's a great Die Hard clone. You want to see another really fun, ridiculous Die Hard clone, watch um, Sudden Death. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme as a fire marshal in a hockey stadium. It's Die Hard at a hockey game. Yeah, nice. I've, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one, too. At one point, he suits up as the... Uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot and goes out on the ice. I'm not making it up. The nineties were weird guys. Yeah. Yeah. We were scraping the barrel of locations to put a diehard movie in. And somebody said, how about diehard at a hockey game? What would you call that? Sudden death. I like it. <laughs> what's the, uh, what's, what, what's the, the movie? Uh, it's a Kurt Russell movie. But it has Steven Seagal in it with the 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 plane that gets taken over, and Steven Seagal's got like top billing, but he dies in oh, twenty minutes of the movie. Uh, executive decision. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there you uh, go. Plane. That is a yeah. uh, that is also not great. It is not. It is not. John like Leguizamo. Yes. Now I love me some John Leguizamo. He's cool. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Holly Berry's in that too. Was the flight attendant? Yes. Halle Berry is in that. <clears throat> yep, Die Hard. That should be the. We should just put a whole group together of all the '90s movies that were just Die Hard on a insert location here. Yeah, that's a great subgenre. Speed, Die Hard on a bus. Yep, Speed Two, a Die Hard on a cruise ship. Oh, oh, put so a pin well. in Speed Two, John, because oh, we're circling back <laughs> to that. Yes, there's no, there's no. It's good on that day. It's just so bad. Yep, yep, you're right. That is so bad. Nope, nope, it'll come up later. Trust okay. me. All right. Okay. Um, Commander Scott, what do you got? Yeah, what you got? Well, so one movie that I absolutely love that's a horrible, horrible movie, but I can't help it. I love it. I don't even know if it qualifies as it's so bad it's good because I don't think it's even, I, I don't think it gets to the it's good part. I just really think it's a bad movie. Uh, and actually, I just got a copy of it. I think on Blu-ray or whatever. Oh God. Uh, yeah. God, I love it. Garbage Pale Kids, the movie 1988. This movie's horrible, but I love it. It's so bad. Most <laughs> everybody that was involved with it really is embarrassed to say they made this movie. Um, one of those people being uh, the voice actor, Jim Cummings, the, uh, the voice of Darkwing Duck. Uh, he did two parts in the movie, and he 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 really hates admitting that he did it, which is why, if if he ever if he ever comes to you know a convention near me, um, I'm so getting him to sign the Garbage Pail Kids uh, poster, <laughs> just to see if he'll refuse. I don't know if he will or not. Uh, it's based off of the uh, the 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 trading card slash sticker. Uh, collectibles cabbage from the, patch kids parody. yeah yeah the cabbage yeah. patch kids parody which i was huge into when when i was a kid man i i had patch kids? no oh. no no garbage pail kids i had stacks of these things yeah loved garbage pail kids they were great and in fact i really want to start getting some of the new cards because they're actually back they they're, they're, they still sell them they still <laughs> of have course new they series. are Jeez. um 
Uh, I got a friend of mine, a good friend of the show who listens to the show quite, quite a bit. Uh, James Hammond. Uh, he, um, um, he actually did some art for some of the garbage pail kids stuff, uh, for tops for this run, uh, and everything. So, uh, but, uh, uh, I loved it. And, uh, like, uh, Mackenzie Austin, uh, or Aston, I guess his name is, who, who's the lead in this movie. He auditioned for this movie and signed on to it without telling his father, who is actor John Aston, which is an actor that I love. Uh, played, of course, famous for uh, um, uh, Gomez Adams in the Adams Family series. Played the Riddler on a few episodes of the original Batman. Uh, was in Briscoe County Junior. Wasn't uh, he Doctor Gangrene in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I don't know because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen okay. that movie. But I will double check. Oh crap! Hang on, I'm having a small technical malfunction. Please stand by. <laughs> um. <laughs> But anyway, he signed on to do this movie without telling his father. And after his father looked at the script, uh, his father actually hired lawyers to try and get him out of doing this movie because he thought it was that bad. And he's right. It's it's horrible. God, it's horrible. But I just love it. It's uh, But one thing that I would really love to see is apparently this movie started out life uh, as a horror film. Just straight up horror film was what it was written to be. Um, it would have been, uh, um, uh, they would have, the garbage pale kids would have spawned from radioactive sludge that had found its way to a garbage can filled with broken doll parts and dolls, turning them into serial killers, <laughs> which I think that would be kind of a cool movie, but no, I just love this movie. I love this movie. I, I like, I mean, it's cheesy cause it's practical effects. It's 1988. So it was made in the, the mid eighties. Um, so it's all practical effects of, of people in suits for the garbage pail kids with uh, very, I don't know how you would call it, mechanical looking um, controls for the facial expressions and the eyes and the mouth and everything. But uh, I, I don't know what else to say. I just, it, it, I, I recommend anybody to watch it at least once. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yes, he was, Dr. Gangrene. And Killer Tomatoes Strike Back. Killer Tomatoes Eat France. That might be it. Uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Excuse me, not attack. My bad. Yeah. Important distinction. I don't know if I've ever actually seen any of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes movies. They're something. He was in Frighteners too. Who was he in Frighteners? He's the old man that uh, the old cowboy goes. Ah, okay. He's missing his whole like torso. It's just a spinal yeah. column. There's yeah. a great movie. That's a great movie. That We're is. not talking great movies though. We're talking movies so bad they're good. Yeah. Once again, I don't know if this qualifies because I don't know if it ever actually gets to the good category. Because <laughs> uh, there's really not a lot redeeming about this movie. There, there, there isn't, and I fully admit that. But I still love it. Um. And I highly recommend everybody to watch it if they can. Hey, you know what, Scap? That's okay. I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. I appreciate that. Thank you for the support. That's You yeah. know, I'm not... Look, we've crossed over into just guilty pleasure movies. <laughs> and that's really... I mean, I was, we were gonna, I was going to say this to the end. But really, if you enjoy a movie, is it really that bad? I mean, 
and, and again, there's some stuff I'll get to down here, but if, if you found entertainment out of it, you could argue it's not a bad movie. You found something of value in it. So yeah, sure. that in mind, you know I was bringing this up because this used to be a yearly tradition every year at Scarefest. I made everyone get together and watch this. Uh, and Jason, I don't think you've seen this, which means we're going to have to have another party. Well, I don't we're know. We're going to have to have a Troll 2 watch party. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, good. Then you know where I'm going. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> uh, so I said earlier, Plan 9 from Outer Space was described as the worst movie ever made. Troll 2 gives it a run for its money. Troll 2 is described as the best worst movie ever made. In fact, there's a fantastic documentary called Best Worst Movie about how the fuck did this movie get made? Which is the question you'll be asking yourself throughout watching Troll 2. Forget Troll 1. has nothing to do with Troll 2. Uh, And that's a question I'll save to be answered when you watch the documentary. But it is, again, it is a movie that is just immensely endlessly entertaining in in how inept this movie is. The dialogue is terrible. The acting is terrible. The effects are terrible. The plot is is I don't know how to describe it. It is it is bug nuts crazy. It makes zero goddamn sense. It it is every time you think this movie has jumped the shark as far as as okay, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. That's the dumbest thing I've ever. It finds a way to top it. Um, it is the epitome of a cult movie. This movie never in the U.S. was released in theaters. It went straight to like HBO and VHS. Uh, but it became one of those movies where anyone who stumbled across it had to share this movie, had to share the experience of watching Troll 2. And I fall into that category. When me and, and Whitney and some friends first sat down and watched this movie because I'd heard about it, and I was like, well, I gotta watch this movie. It was one of the, we were like, oh my god, this is stupid. This is the dumbest thing ever. And then by the end of it, we're rolling on the floor laughing, having a great time. And and we started a tradition where every Scarefest or or LexCon, or both, or whatever. Anytime we had a group of friends together, and at least one person had never seen this movie before, it came out. We were watching it. Um, it's endlessly entertaining in how bad this movie is. And, and I, I cannot accurately describe how, just like The Room, I can't describe it to you. You just have to go watch it. You guys have already, you guys have both seen this. Yes. So correct yes. me if I'm wrong. Jump in when you want. It, I... it is... I don't think I've seen Troll 2, at least not all the way. Oh, oh it's so bad. I don't think I have. I want to say I've seen... No, no, no. I've not seen it because the 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 one thing that I was confusing it with, which I have seen, is Leprechaun. I was confusing it with Leprechaun. <laughs> no, sir. Oh. Oh. So Troll 2, in no way, shape, or form, a sequel to Troll 1, uh, features a family on vacation and what we would now call uh, uh, Airbnb. They they trade houses with another family for a weekend, and the town of Nilbog. Write down Nilbog and look at it. Uh, Wait, wait, hang on, that's familiar to me. Nilbog. Yeah. Uh, They come to find out the whole town is run by a bunch of goblins whose plan is to force them to eat 
green stuff, which will turn them into vegetables so they can then consume them because they're vegetarian goblins. Hey, they're health conscious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't you can't fault them for that. Features a love scene so hot it could pop corn, and it does. <laughs> um, I don't want to give much away. This is the, movie, the less you know about this movie going in, the better it is. Uh, and just know that you're gonna keep asking yourself, "What? How did somebody think this was a good idea? How did this movie get made? Who cast these people?" So what you want to do is get Troll 2, grab a couple beers, have yourself a good old time. And then you're going to want to make sure you have a copy. I think it's on Netflix or Hulu or somewhere. It's streaming somewhere. Best Worst Movie is a feature-length documentary made by one of the stars of Troll 2 that basically does two things. One, it explains how the fuck did this movie get made and who the hell made this movie. And then sort of charts how this movie went from Z-list obscurity to being a cult movie to being the best worst movie. It's a great documentary. Um, You know, uh, one of my favorite things to do as a teacher is quote films. (laughs) And the more obscure the reference, the more fun it is for me to see my students' reactions. And... On several occasions, something has come up in class because I teach math mm-hmm. where students are sort of blown away by a fact. And I just go, oh, my God. And they they're are eating confused. him. And then they're going to eat me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, apparently the entire cast of this film went to the casting call just hoping to be extras. They got cast as the leading is, is the leads. You're, you're answering questions now, Scott. Don't do that. If you haven't seen it, stop looking up facts about it, Scott. You're gonna ruin it. <laughs> can't help it. This is what I do. Stop um, it right now. Can't help it. Um, but I keep looking at this, and there's a lot of stuff that you're describing that I'm like, I I know this. I've seen this. I know you've so, been in the room when it's on, Scott. So yeah. So I'm thinking what happened is I was at one of the one of the viewings after Scarefest, mm-hmm. but there was probably so much else going on. I couldn't actually concentrate on the film. At one point, we had almost 30 people packed in this apartment to watch that movie, so it's totally understandable if you don't remember. Um, No, Troll 2, so bad. And again, my definition for these movies was they completely fail at what they're trying to do. This completely fails to be a horror movie or to be a commentary on vegetarianism. That's not a word. But um, I like it. I it, like it. It's a word now because I said it out loud. Uh, it fails at being everything it set out to be. But in that epic failure, it becomes super entertaining. Um, and and, and it, is, it is a great unintentional comedy, which is pretty much all the movies I have on here. They were trying to be, you know, a horror movie or a drama, and they failed at that, but damn, they're funny. Well, you know, John, to to go off of that, I guess, yes. segue into, um, you know, unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, one of the most, I don't, I, I want to say it was unintentionally funny movies out there for, um, I don't know if they're trying to go for horror or not, but, uh, and I love this movie is, is Tremors. 
Tremors is now, a great movie. I'm not going to say Tremors is bad. It's good because, again, right, right, right. Because I really enjoy Tremors, and it, it's it's an enjoyable movie. But the one that is on my list is the one that I guess you could say began the snowball, and that movie is Tremors Two. Fantastic movie. Tremors Endless, Two, endlessly quotable. It. I will never disagree that it is endlessly quotable. Begins the slow shift off of Val and Earl onto the real star of the series, Burt Gummer. Yes. And everything that comes after Tremors 2, including Tremors 2. Well, Tremors 2 is kind of a shift, like you said. But everything that comes after Tremors 2 can only be described as hot garbage. And I will watch them. I continue to watch them. I shouldn't. I shouldn't do it. But I absolutely (laughs) should. Have you watched Tremors the series? Because that's fantastic too. Yes. And we're friends, Jay. I I I'm right right there with you. I will hear about a new Tremors movie. I'm like, yes, I'm watching it. Well, Tremors four, Tremors five, Bloodlines. Hold on, hold on. on. Tremors Tremors six, Cold Cold Hell. Hell. I'm there. It gets to a point, Jay. Everything after Tremors, the series, don't watch. They're not fun. They're just bad at that point. Yeah. But so in in my, you know, and like you said, it's been kind of a shift to like a guilty pleasure. But at, at the same time, like what you said, can you find something good in this bad movie? And for me, the good thing in this bad movie is I can't think of his name, but the actor who plays Burt Gum- Burt Gummer. Yeah, Michael uh, J. Fox is dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> that it, was family was. ties. Yeah, I saw he's it. Not, <laughs> he's not Michael J. Fox's real dad. <laughs> uh, God damn, hold on. I forgot to. Uh, Michael Gross? Yes. No. Yes. 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 So, he, he makes... The- this movie like he owns it he owns tremors too uh he is the quotable part of the entire movie uh (laughs) from his you know quoting you know into his little vocal diary about how he's using the technique pioneered by earl his video diary yeah yeah yep to use rc cars laced with explosive and his first when he explodes he says However much C4 he used was a little too much. Two pounds of C4 may be a bit excessive. Uh, When he comes back and says, for the first time in my entire life, I am completely out of ammo. Out of ammo. That has never happened happened before. before. And he said, luckily I took care of some of them with small arms fire and hand-to-hand combat. And most of them lined up right in front of me, so I popped it into six wheel and ran them over. Like, to happen to six wheel, man. Fucking... This, uh, my favorite when... Burt Gummer part is, and I can't remember which movie it is, but it's the one where the the kid throws the the bomb into the back of his truck. It's the first. That's one. that's it's the first no, one. That's, no, 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 that's the second. Tremors one. Two. Thought, yeah, I thought it was the second one. Yeah, Earl, because Earl throws it into the back of the truck, and he yes, and he says, <laughs> "You did what." Yeah, I don't know how to arm it's going to be big. Back to your truck. 
Yeah, and he's like, he's like, run, 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 and they all run like a few feet and get behind a, a cabin, and he runs keep past going. them and he stops. No, no, keep going. It's gonna be big. It's, it's gonna, gonna be big. big. <laughs> and he keeps saying it, and then the young guy goes, "Is it gonna be today?" And then it explodes. <laughs> God, that movie is great. The Mexican oh. army <laughs> gives you anything you want, and you take two cases of dynamite. Oh, gotta uh, keep things out here on my personal shopping list. <clears throat> it it, but it is it it's in that category of bad movies. when they're trying to get away it's, from the like they uh, trash in on a sequel. Yeah, trying to get away from the no. My favorite part when they're trying to get away from the screechers and oh. and Bert finds his his Barrett fifty cal. He's got one round. And he sets up the shot and takes it and, and blows the fucker, just smatters this this uh, shrieker to hell and back. So they're like, yay! And then they run to get to their truck so they can drive away. And as they run up, they see that not only did it go through the shrieker, it went through the wall behind it. And uh, <laughs> there's something else behind that directly through the engine block of the truck. Yep. <laughs> and I was going for maximum penetration. <laughs> yep. Because he's he's uh, he's under the impression that it uh, they're fighting graboids, yeah. They're still graboids and not the screechers. We didn't know about the shriekers yet. Uh, or That's the great thing he... about that series. Every movie there's a It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, escape! <laughs> How does it go? How does what go? Uh the emergency bunk escape hatch in the yep. third one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, emergency, uh, the bunker, the emergency bunker, escape tunnel. And I think that's it. Yeah. Wrong, now, the, now, the one thing I missed from Tremors 2 was Reba McIntyre. We all did. She wouldn't come back. She wouldn't. I missed her. That's okay. We wrote her out. Don't yeah. Her. We got Bert Gummer. That's all we need. We got Bert. Yep. As long as you got Bert, you're good and to go. As long as you would say Bert. that, but I've, I've seen Tremors 5 and 6. <laughs> You've got Bert, and then you have that awesome shot of panic and through his rec room on the wall with the other trophies. Oh. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you? Yes. So, again, yes. terrible movie. <laughs> Agree to disagree. But damn, I love it. Apparently, the, the first movie caused uh, Kevin Bacon to have a complete nervous meltdown. Um, huh. His career was kind of in the skids. He took it because he needed the work. And apparently during filming at one point, he was out walking with his girlfriend or wife or whatever and just had a complete breakdown on his knees in tears, uh, screaming out loud, I'm making a movie about goddamn worms. <laughs> yes, you are, Kevin Bacon. Thank God for it. For it. Yeah, we, we do. Oh, uh, he came full circle. He apparently shot a pilot for a Tremors show that did not get picked up because we already had a Tremors show with the real star of Tremors, Gomer. Yep. Uh, Commander Scott? Well, so I've really only got one more that I'd like to talk about uh, on my list today. And it may be on your list as well. John. Okay. So if it is, I apologize that we can just combine them and go for it. So first of all, I will never, ever 
at least on purpose, disparage anybody for making a bad movie. With the exception of uh, Ridley Scott for The Martian. (laughs) Because, and I say that because I've never even made a bad movie. So, you know, these people have accomplished something I've not. So I got to give them credit for that. Still, though, uh, this movie was first introduced to me uh, only a few years ago by yourself and and uh, and Flanagan. And uh, uh, I love it now because I watched it and it's grown on me and uh, it, it, it's, it's Haunted Ween. It's a haunted house on a haunted It's got a great song. It's a great song. It's the plot's not bad. Um, it, it's a bad movie. I mean, it's you know, it's made on low budget and with local talent and uh, and 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 everything. The acting's not the best, um, but and and you've got the the one guy who I can't remember his name who apparently is a lawyer now. I guess uh, in Louisville. I guess no. That's some bullshit. That's some bullshit. Uh, yeah, I just Hanks, love that movie. Played by Brad Hanks. That's that is it's it's such a fun movie to watch, even though it is bad. Uh, I break it out every Halloween. Um, uh, I've actually given copies of this movie to to friends that I once I found out they were uh, alum of uh, Western Kentucky University. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you need a copy of this movie. You know, and they're like, I've never even heard of it. Doesn't matter. You graduated Western. You deserve a copy of this movie. But so. All right, I'm going to have to go off in a second. First of all, I want to say, um, I'm going to get serious for a second. Um, Doug Roberts, the director of Haunted Ween, is a dear friend of the show. Uh, we did a few years ago a screening of the movie. Uh, sorry, Doug Robertson, not Robert. I'm sorry. Doug Robertson. Uh, we did a screening in Bowling Green a few years ago. Uh, we were lucky enough to have Doug Robertson come out and do a Q&A after the screening. Um, one of the nicest people I've ever met. He sat there yeah. almost an hour after the screening and answered every single question everybody had about this movie. Um, signed copies, uh, brought copies for people to purchase. It was amazing. We lost Doug uh, earlier this year. Rest in peace, Doug. Um, that being said, this show fucking loves Haunted Ween. Never let. I won't rest until I get Haunted Ween Shutter reviewed by Joe Bob Briggs. Because that's what it deserves. It's going to be a lot more complicated now, but uh, that's my goal <laughs> in life. But Haunted Ween is, like you said, it was a movie made in Bowling Green, Kentucky, in the surrounding area. In oh god, like, I need something. Uh, hold on, 1991. <laughs> uh, a lot of the behind-the-scenes talent uh, ended up becoming professors at WKU in the film and television production de- uh, department, which is where me and uh captain uh captain planet uh captain chris went to school so we went through the production uh school hearing stories about this movie and for the longest time the only way you could get your hands on it was to convince one of your professors to sell you a vhs copy if they had one handy now we didn't know at the time that doug robertson was still in bowling green he he ran a hot air balloon rental company uh but they eventually got together and did a like 25th anniversary DVD of the movie, um, which you can get. I, I, he was selling as like a side business. I'm not sure if you can even get them now. Uh, so if you've got one treasure, because we don't know if you can get them anymore. 
Uh, but it is, it's a movie about a haunted house on Halloween where somebody gets killed inside the haunted house. And by haunted house, I don't mean like, oh, this house is in it. Like a haunted house you pay money to go through and people jump out and go, oh, that's you. Like that kind of haunted house. Uh, and somebody gets killed inside the haunted house. It gets shut down. The, the the person, the killer disappears. And then umpteen years later, a fraternity to raise money to keep their charter <laughs> runs a haunted house in the house where somebody was murdered, knowing that because they can sell more tickets that way. Uh, and the killer hears about it and makes the trek back to whatever fictional town they're in to continue his murder spree. Uh, and it is everything you want out of a slasher movie. It's gory. It's ridiculous. It's got boobies. It's got uh, the best Southern Hanks, one of their frat brothers, yes. <laughs> is is like like frat boy Ernest is the only way I can think to describe <laughs> him. He's that fantastic. That's a very good way of describing him. Yes, steals every scene he's in. He's apparently a lawyer now. If I'm ever in trouble, I'm calling Hanks because uh, it's some bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. In that, it is what you love about a cheesy slasher movie from the '90s, because that's exactly what it is. It's it's it is. slashers are big because they don't cost a lot of money, and as long as you got gore and death and boobies on screen, somebody will market it. Um, I don't even know where to tell you to go to find it to watch, but get your hands on a copy of Haunted. Never seen it? Um, track it down. Yeah, it's. It's not we, on Amazon, obviously. No, we were in very early talks of doing a screening this year. Um, obviously, before the pandemic and before we lost Doug. Um, I, that's definitely not happening this year. But hopefully soon, when the world goes back to something resembling normal, uh, we can get together and do another private screening. <clears throat> private screening. Uh, well, not private, but uh, host a screening. Um, and Bowling Green for people to come see. Um, I don't, I don't know where to say to even go. So, just out of curiosity, I went to eBay to look mm-hmm. up Haunted Ween. Mm-hmm. Is there a VHS for like eight hundred bucks? Well, um, actually, I, I don't have a VHS right now because okay. I mistyped Haunted Ween, left the T out. <laughs> oh God! But I did find there is on eBay uh, a vintage copy of the script. Oh for, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, for eight hundred and twenty-five dollars, they dropped their price a little bit. Yeah, it was a thousand. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the only. I'm uh, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, eleven hundred is what it was. Um, but yeah, so yeah, correcting the spelling on Haunted Ween, and that's still the only thing that comes up. So, no VHS there... out there on sale. No DVDs. I think it had a website you had to go to. To order the DVD directly. This is called researching on the fly. <laughs> while we're all if you're typing into our phones while we're on air. Uh, well, I have never seen Haunted Ween. So, we will yeah. fix that. Yeah, you'll, you you got to see that. That's, that's a good one. Uh. Let's see the IMDb entry. Indiegogo, Bleeding Skull. I think the Indiegogo was for a sequel that never got off the ground. <clears throat> uh, uh, there's, yeah, a Lo- yeah. there's a Louisville Halloween.com. Uh, I don't think. 
Now, see, uh, uh, Captain Chris wouldn't. So. That's okay. I believe it had its own website, and you had to go to that website to order a copy. I think Doug was actually fulfilling those orders on his own. Um, but yeah, find a copy somehow, somewhere. If you see us at a con, we might have a couple spares left. I don't know. Um, I did put a signed DVD copy in the hands of Joe Bob Briggs when he was here. two years ago. Uh, uh, yeah. So he had a copy. I don't know if he still does or not. But yeah, Honda Ween, uh, any chance to talk about that, Scott? I will snatch up. Love that movie. Yeah, it's it is. It's it's a very low budget B local talent horror movie, but it's great. Funded uh, by Domino's and RC Cola, if I remember correctly, because they're all over that movie. Hey, <laughs> you can't beat that product placement. You can't. And free food for the crew, because <clears throat> sometimes that's how you pay your crew. Yep. <sighs> um, okay, so since we're just off and talking about. Not necessarily bad, but guilty pleasure movies. I've talked about this on the show before. I will talk about it on the show again. Uh, but Whitney will be mad if I do not bring up our personal favorite guilty pleasure movie. We know it's terrible. We remind ourselves that every year when we watch it, but we still watch it every year. Uh, in fact, it has its own nickname in our household. Alien versus Predator. Slay Ride of Friendship. Is, is by no <laughs> means a good movie. Uh, and yet you just thank you, Jay. Uh, it is known in the Peacock household as the Slay Rider Friendship. Um, because <laughs> that movie, I've wanted so much out of that movie growing up as a 90s kid. I read the novels and the comics and I had the toys and I uh, would have watched the cartoon, but it never happened. Uh, and it took decades for us to finally get Alien fighting the Predator in a movie. And I was so gung-ho. I was in college when it came out. Couldn't wait to go see it. Took me and a bunch of my buddies went to go see it. My hall director went with us because he was excited for it. And we walked out and we were just like, how do you mess that up? <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's Alien versus you just had to have an alien fight a predator. How did you mess that up? Oh, that's, that's how you mess it up. Because uh, you start out <laughs> on Earth in present day. And it's like, well, you guys have heard you fuck this up. Uh, and then, yep. yeah, it only gets worse. It ends with our main human character and the surviving predator running from a giant pyramid under the ice explosion by riding a sled up an ice tunnel to slay a rider French. Because <laughs> nothing seals the bond of survivors like a sleigh ride of death. It's a terrible movie. It's so it's bad. so bad, and it somehow is. the sequel is even worse. It's uh, I don't think I or, saw the or better because you can't see what the fuck happens in Alien vs Predator Requiem because the movie's so fucking dark. Like they just forgot to light it. <laughs> I I will still argue though. My favorite part of either of those movies has to be when in AVP Requiem when they're running to get to the helicopter, the hospital. And they're like, come on, this way. And the love interest of the main character just gets stapled to the wall. Out of fucking nowhere. It's so great. Like, I I just want to watch that part on a loop over. You think it's going to be all hunky-dory love fest, and then no. But yes, I agree with you, John. AVP is very bad, but 
<sighs> it's yes, the Slayer Rider friendship. Didn't they have the actor that played Bishop in that and tried to tie that back in somehow? Lance Henriksen. Yeah, so, yeah. Lance Henriksen is in it as Charles Bishop Wayland, founder of Wayland Industries. And in the end credit tag of Alien vs. Predator Requiem, we meet Mrs. Utani. So at some point, their company is merged to become Wayland Utani. Uh, that being said, the AVP movies do not exist in the same continuity as any of either the Alien or Predator movies. They are their own yeah. separate uh, timeline. So, um, but yeah, uh, so that that is where people people always jump on the internet and say that. Um, um, oh God, Hudson! I can't think of his name now. Uh, Bill Paxton. And Bill they always Pax. say that Bill Paxton is the only person to ever get killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an alien. To which I say, no, Lance Henriksen also has the hat trick. He's killed by a Terminator in Terminator 1. He's killed by the Queen Alien in Aliens. He's in a Ziploc bag at the end of the movie. He's half of a torso. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> and then he is killed by... And they did this on purpose. It's just the one feather in the hat I will give Paul Worthless Shit Anderson, the director of AVP. When they cast Lance Henriksen, they said he has to die and it has to be by a Predator because that way we can finish the trifecta. So in AVP... Lance Henderson gets killed by a predator and finishes off the hat trick. So, yes. See, Scott um, teaches you about naval battles. I tell you who gets killed by what in movies. <laughs> We've all got our own sandboxes to play. Yeah, but Bill Paxton did it better. I won't argue with that. Because it's Bill Paxton. He dies, dies very well on screen. His alien's uh, death is fantastic. His... Uh, one-on-one subway fight with the Predator, brief as it may be, pretty badass. Even even when he's playing a complete sleazy used car salesman con man wimp in True Lies, he steals the show. Oh, he's so good at that. <laughs> you still interested about that vet? <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. Oh. <laughs> She can suck a golf ball through a garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> Their husbands, dickless. Let's face it, if they were taking care of business, I'd be out of business. <laughs> I love that movie. Well, oh, you, Bill Paxton. Um, I I just have one more I want to talk about because I think it yep. will segue nicely into our stuck. And this movie has a great it has two i want to say great in quotes actors who <laughs> actually portray each other they do a uh i guess you could say take on the other's acting style do they do a face off yes they do a face off of course i'm talking about face off with nick cage and john travolta God, I hate that movie. And uh, <laughs> was was that, uh, was that John Woo's debut for American film? No, no. Broken Arrow was his. Never mind. My bad. I'm gonna shut up now. Oh, Broken Arrow. Anyway, uh, <laughs> also John, with John Travolta. Sorry. Yes. yes. Uh, I love John Travolta's. I'm trying to be Nick Cage acting in that movie. It's so bad, but it's just so on point. There's a great interview with Travolta and when he's trying to like call, call like 
go ahead. The great interview with Travolta where he's he's talking about that. Um coming in the first day and watching Nicolas Cage so he could kind of get some of the mannerisms down. And and Nick Cage apparently just went into full Nick Cage. And John Travolta just, oh, so we're doing that kind of acting. <laughs> and then yeah, it's Travolta trying to out cage Nicolas Cage. Yes. For 90 minutes. And it it's probably the most subdued calm version of Nick Cage that you're going to see in most 90s movies when he's trying to be John Travolta's character. Like, the fact that Nick Cage can rein it in even that much (laughs) was amazing. Just that he Uh, toned it down to that level to sort of be Nick your John Travolta? I don't know. I get them confused in that movie. They... I I remember trying to describe the plot to my dad to get him to rent it, and and it was one of those. Then uh, uh, Austin Powers, I've gone cross-eyed. Uh, it's like <laughs> so. Nicholas Cage is a criminal, and John Travolta is a cop trying to catch him, and then he does, but he gets hurt, but he's he's kidnapped somebody or something. So they 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 take John Travolta and they cut Nicholas Cage's face off and they put it on John Travolta, and then. And then Nicolas Cage wakes up and puts John Travolta's face on him. So John Travolta's the good guy, but he's the bad guy is Nick Cage, and Nick Cage is the bad guy who's the good guy now. But the I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> it's so bad, but like when it's on, oh, it's got I that nineties. 90- when you talk about endlessly quotable, yeah. when you're talking endlessly <laughs> quotable, I. I have another friend named Scott. John John and I have this other friend Scott named Scott. And, and sometimes he and I will just look at each other and go, I want to take his face off. And then the other will go, okay, no more drugs for this guy. Ooh, you good looking. <laughs> it's, it's It's got just that unabashed John Woo 90s action, leaping through the air, guns akimbo, while doves fly in the background behind you. Like, Nothing makes a goddamn lick of sense. Nothing follows anything remotely. Like the the laws of physics are just put on pause for a minute. Uh, but that was the way you did. Like that was the breath of fresh air for action movies in the nineties. Was that John Woo shit? And can we can we just take a moment to appreciate how Nick Cage Nick Cage is in the opening of that, where he's dressed <laughs> as the priest? Yes. And the things that he's doing and saying the <sighs> the the horribleness of what he does to the choir singer, yeah, <laughs> just bad. It's so bad. But like I said, when it's on, I can't help but watch it. And it's that I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out for rent. You're good. Oh, way back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're good. I remember watching it. it. I watched it, and I've forgotten most of it because I haven't watched it since then. But I remember not not caring for this movie in any shape, form, or fashion. I was like, "Wow, I I don't know." Just when I demand a remake with um, um, Chris Pine. I was gonna say (laughs) with Chris Helmsworth and one of the other Chris's. Let's go with Chris Pine and Chris Helmsworth. How about that? Why not I was just gonna get say, all the Chris's <laughs> face off squared with a little four on top of it because there's four of them. It's Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris Helmsworth, 
and uh shit star lord i forgot his name um chris pratt thank you chris, chris pratt. pratt uh and they all face off <laughs> face rotation <laughs> uh, oh wow no. well that does segue if we're gonna do the second time we are at time if you want to call it today. yeah we're we're in an hour and a half now so we can table this for the for for another topic uh, I don't care. Or we could just shotgun through them. I'll be honest. I I don't really have any people because I've been dealing with this other thing that's been going on. That's this fine. That's yeah, fine. I've yeah. got three. I can rapid fire through them because we're already talking about one. I have um, nine. Jesus Christ, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, topic hey. for next time. Hey, hey, Jason, can you shoot me half of that list, please? <laughs> Yeah, I can. You want me? I can. I'll just go through it right now. You ready? Sean right, this Connor. Is, hold on, hold on. This is this this is bad or good actors turned bad. Yeah, right? this is this okay. is what I said. Good actors gone bad. So these are good actors who did an appearance in an absolutely horrible movie. Oh, just one appearance. Okay. Okay. Sean Connery in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Michael Caine in Jaws: The Revenge. Willem Dafoe in Speed Two. Uh, Colin Farrell in Alexander. Bruce Willis and Rob Prince of Persia, Michael Keaton, and Jack Frog. Um, you know, because it had a good cast. I mean, Bob Hoskins, John Lowe, uh, Dennis Hopper. Uh, shit, I can't remember. What if, Dennis Hopper, thank you. Yeah, if you want to save it for another time, we can save it for another no, time. Just, uh, we need to define what we mean <laughs> before we jump into topics more. <laughs> Uh, actors who at one point were highly regarded but have now gone in the toilet um, like Nicolas Cage who won an Oscar and then got ridiculously in debt and now takes every role that comes his way although he is in the midst of a, a, a renaissance we'll say that or Ben Kingsley who everyone knows as, as Gandhi but I swear to God he's done some like terrible god awful movies uh, but he just makes so many movies that it doesn't matter because by the time a couple hits or flops come out he's in a good movie again which is fucking terrible and he's he's in Dragonheart 3 and The Love Guru and Blood Rain a shitty video game movie directed by Uwe Boll the director of shitty movies movies show shitty they're shit yeah Ben Kingsley has he is not guilty uh in any in any shape form or fashion of the uh, uh the mortal sin of pride because that man is a working actor and he will take any work that comes his way as often as possible. If you're paying him, uh, by God, he'll do it. And he'll, yeah, do, no, the, just, he'll do the best he can. He he has 144 credits on IMDb. And again, it's every like two or three, you're like, what? What? Like you've either never heard of them because they're that obscure. Or you're like, he was in that. And then you'll hit like the third or fourth. And I'm like, oh yeah, but he was in that too. Like he just shotgun approaches. Yeah, <laughs> and every like third or fourth movie ends up being kind of good. So he he he's he he maintains his uh, his status as being like a quality actor. And then the maybe the poster child, Cuba Gooding Jr., who won an Academy Award for Jerry Maguire, and then just directly went to hell. Movies like Chill Factor, <laughs> The Kid, Pearl Harbor, 
uh, Rat Race, Snow Dogs, Boat Trip, Home on the Range, the Disney Cow movie, uh, Radio, where he went full retard, uh, Daddy never, Day ne- Camp. Ne- ne- never go full retard, man. Never. And my favorite, my favorite, this is where you know you've arrived as an actor. You guys ready for this? I didn't know Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. But nothing says good actor gone bad like <clears throat> The Land Before Time 13 Wisdom of Friends. Oh, Jesus. Yep. So, see, no, now, I, and and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen should have been on your list of bad movies that are actually good. Because if you don't take that movie too seriously, if you just watch it for what it is, I like that movie. You don't expect anything out of it. It's just, I it's just fun for me. I Hot love take. Movie. I like the movie more than the comic. I've never the read the source is, material. Comic is boring as shit. Well, you know, John, when. Yes. When we talked about this, I used Michael Caine and Jaws the Revenge as my example, so I just kind of thought that That's fair. That's fair. But we... you also taught Nicolas Cage, so I just went down the full Nicolas Cage rabbit hole of it used yeah. to be like highly regarded and now they just do like whatever comes their way. See, I was looking at it as what the like really good actors who took a role for a paycheck. Fair enough. Fair like, enough. Like Michael Caine and Jaws no, Revenge. That's a great list. That's a great list, Jay. It really is. We can save it for another time. That's fine. I think we just went through it. We're good. Okay. We'll come back to that at some point. Uh, any other so bad they're good movies? I also want to give a shout out to Birdemic, which I did not get time to talk about today, but that is another so gu- so bad it's a good movie. Um, shout on some guy's camcorder. <laughs> not making not making that up uh with special effects so bad youtubers put them to shame um and then my another guilty pleasure bad movie um i fucking love friday the 13th 6 even though it has no boobies and all the gore had to get trimmed out to get it in our rating um it is a fully self-aware friday the 13th movie and it's fun as hell uh, but I get maybe not the best in the franchise. Which is that the which one's the uh, which the which one's that, the, um, the first one? Ratatouille, Ratatouille, fix the car. Which one's that? I fuck. I think that's it's either six or four. I think that's four. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't know. The it just gets well enough. It just gets stuck in my head all the time because of when we watched it together. Riddle, correct me. Don't worry. Now, uh, yeah, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you'd actually consider this a bad movie. That's good because I, I think it's more of a parody movie than a bad movie. But I love Johnny Dangerously. That's a great <laughs> damn movie. Your last name is an adverb. <laughs> that's how I wound up here in Chicago. Well, we're in New York. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's a, the the Michael Keaton mobster parody. Yes, it, it doesn't get talked about nearly enough when you talk about Michael Keaton. I mean, I know he's been in some excellent stuff, but come on, Johnny Dangerously. Yeah, Peter Boyle in there, uh, Mary Lou Henner, uh, uh, Danny DeVito is in it. Um, yeah, it's just a great movie. It does get lost in the shuffle, uh, and and like you guys said, uh, look. What I guess we're trying to get at is no matter how bad people may say a movie is, no matter 
its Rotten Tomato score, or how many few stars it gets, or how little money it made. If you find it entertaining, can it really be that bad? You like what you like and never apologize for it. Exactly. Right. Uh, so let us know what movies are so bad they're great that we forgot or didn't mention. Uh, what actors were once great and have fallen by the wayside, or what is a role you cannot believe someone took and it must have been a hell of a patriot to get them there. Let us know. Maybe we'll talk about it and come on this topic again because I think we could kind of do this all day. Uh, yeah. I believe that's our show. So, Commander Scott, thank you. Yep. Thank you. The Doc, thank you for taking time out to join us. No problem. Thank you for listening. And uh, we are completely out of ammo. It's never happened to me before. Never, never happened. Note to self, two pounds of C4 might be a bit excessive. Take his face. Yes. His face. Oh. The eyes. Nose. Skin. It's coming off. The face. No more drugs for that man.